You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI podcast, your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, welcome to the TaxSmart REI podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the impacts of filing your a separate return might have on material participation. So if you're looking to use the real estate professional status or the short-term rental loophole and you file a tax return filed separately, it may have different implications than if you file a joint return. We're going to be talking about all that today after a quick word from our sponsors. Recession resilient are two words that are heard often when discussing investing in mobile home parks and self-storage. But what does that really mean? And what happens if there's not a recession? At Crystal View Capital, we are vertically integrated and have over 150 employees focusing on assuring our assets perform daily, regardless of market conditions. With over $85 million in distributions paid to investors since 2014, we focus on downside protection, upside maximization, and all the hard work in between. If you are an accredited investor, and would like to learn more about our current offerings, please visit crystalviewcapital.com or click the link in the show notes. All right. So to kick us off, let's first explain why somebody would ever consider married filing separate. Actually, like what is married filing separate? What does that even mean? I've always filed single. Now I go get married. And I've heard about all these great tax benefits if I get married. But now we're talking about married filing separately. What does that even mean? Yeah, that's a great question, right? So basically, when you get married, most people will typically file a joint tax return. What that means is that your income and your activities will also be reported on the same tax return as your spouse's income and activities, right? So if you filed single before and your spouse filed single before that, well, now you put everything onto one tax return. And when you file jointly, there's some benefits that come with that. We're going to get into that today. But there are also some cases where you might want to file separately. So we're not filing this joint tax return where you're reporting your income and expenses on one return and your spouse is reporting their income and expenses on another return. Uh, so that's kind of what the difference is there. And so why would somebody want to do this? There are limited cases when it makes sense, because generally speaking, you're going to be, be able to get access to more tax deductions, more credits, more benefits if you file a joint return. But in certain cases, the main one I've seen in my experience working with a lot of clients is student loans, right? So when you have a student loan and you have certain income thresholds, they can require you to pay more money, right? So if you're reporting less income, you have a lower student loan payment, right? If you have more income or you cross certain thresholds, you have a higher student loan payment that you have to make. So by filing separately, You can limit the amount of income you're showing on your return and limit the amount of payment that you have to make on your student loans. That's one of the biggest reasons I've seen people do it. Note that when you do do that, you do lose the student loan interest deduction, right? So you can't deduct the interest if you file separately, but you might be able to keep your student loan payments low. But that's the number one reason why I've seen people do that. I've seen people do this at all different stages of their life. So it's not limited to people who are just fresh out of college, all right? 
Other reasons to do it might be divorce or separation. Just another one, like maybe you're not on good terms with your spouse, so you file separately because you just don't talk to each other, right? Liability issues from tax evasion. So maybe you're not talking to your spouse and they're not filing their tax return. You don't want to have to deal with that. So you file separately to make sure you're paying your taxes and you're paying your fair share and you don't have to worry about the IRS coming after you. Another reason that is very popular for filing married filing separately is that you might have a large amount of medical expenses, right? And you can only deduct the amount that exceeds 7.5% of your AGI, your adjusted gross returns. So if you have a high amount of out-of-pocket expenses and one spouse has a high income, the other spouse doesn't, or you just want to keep your income low, you can go ahead and file separately to claim and maximize that deduction, that medical deduction. So those are the handful of reasons why people typically do it. I'm sure there's more reasons out there, but those are the core reasons why people file separately. And so we were talking before we clicked record about the downsides of married filing separately and I actually learned a few things as you were going through it. So tell our listeners, if I do decide to file separately instead of jointly and I'm married, what are the downsides? You kind of mentioned one, but I know there's several. Yep. So you lose out uh, to certain credits and deductions, right? You can't claim the earned income credit. I know many of our listeners probably aren't claiming that, but you can't claim it. So the child tax credit, you could file half of that when you are filing separately, but you can't file the whole entire thing. Child and dependent care credits, you could claim a partial a credit when you are filing separately. Now, you can't claim the adoption credit. All deductions and credits of every kind relating to education are gone, right? So you can't claim the American Opportunity and Lifetime Earning Credits. You can't deduct student loan interest or tuition and fees, right? You can't deduct any of those types of deductions. And then there's some limitations on traditional IRAs that you also can't do. They're limited, right? So that's some of the downsides of filing separately. Are you looking for a law firm that can handle your real estate transactions with expertise and efficiency? Thresher Law Offices is a premier boutique law firm specializing in real estate acquisitions, private placement syndications, debt and equity financings, and corporate transactions. Their team of experienced attorneys understands the complexities of real estate transactions from purchase agreements to fund offerings and everything in between. Thresher Law Offices advises their clients on structuring transactions for real estate development acquisitions, debt and equity financings, commercial leasings, and has extensive experience in private placement syndications, helping businesses raise capital through private offerings. Thresher Law Offices builds long-term relationships with the clients they serve, creating strategies and opportunities not just for today, but for your future needs as well. With their knowledge and expertise, you can trust that Thresher Law Offices will guide you through the legal process with ease and confidence as you make critical decisions that will shape the future of your business. Visit www.thresherpllc.com to learn more and schedule a free consultation. Again, to learn more and schedule a free consultation, visit www.thresherpllc.com. The link will also be in the show notes, but for right now, we'll dive right back into today's episode. All right, good stuff. So now let's kind of get to the meat of why we're talking about married filing separately versus jointly, because we do get questions around married filing separate versus jointly as it pertains to Section 469, the passive activity loss rules. Because the passive activity loss rules say that all rentals are passive unless you qualify as a real estate professional and materially participate in the activity. And then if you're using the short-term rental exception, loophole, workaround, whatever you want to call it, you don't have to qualify as a real estate professional, but you do have to materially participate. Now, in our prior episodes, we've explained that for the purposes of real estate professional status, one spouse has to qualify completely on their own. So they have to achieve the 750-hour test and more time in real estate than anywhere else completely on their own. But for the purposes of material participation, spouses can combine time. 
right? So you've got the real estate professional status test, and then you have the material participation tests. But for real estate professional status, one spouse has to meet it completely on their own. And on a joint tax return, if my wife qualifies as a real estate professional, then my joint tax return is a real estate professional status tax return. Our rentals can be non-passive as long as we show that we materially participated in them. And that's great because now we can use the tax losses to offset my CPA firm income, W-2 income, et cetera. All right. So there's that it's beneficial to qualify as a real estate professional. It's beneficial to materially participate. But again, real estate professional status, one spouse has to qualify completely on their own. And then for the purposes of testing material participation, which is the second layer, uh, we can combine time if we're married. So the question becomes, does any of that change when you file separately? And we'll take material participation first. If you look at, I believe it's reg section 1469-5T, 1.469-5T. And I believe that the section, the subsection is F3. So it says participation of spouse. In the case of any person who is a married individual, this is for material participation. In the case of any person who is a married individual for the taxable year, any participation by such person's spouse in the activity during the taxable year without regard to whether the spouse owns an interest in the activity and without regard to whether the spouse files a joint tax return for the taxable year, they shall be treated for purposes of applying Section 469 of the regulations they're under to such person as participation by such person in the activity during the year. Essentially, that means that it doesn't matter if your spouse owns the activity. It doesn't matter if you file a joint or separate tax return. For the purposes of material participation, your spouse's time can still count. So for a short-term rental, you know, I've, I've this beach property, my spouse and I could file a separate tax return. She could spend 200 hours. I could spend 300 hours working on the rental. Combined, our time is 500 hours. We are materially participating combined, even though we're filing a separate tax return. Now, that doesn't work for real estate professional status. You want to tell us why? Yeah. So for the real estate professional status, remember one spouse has to separately meet the requirements spending more than 750 hours and more than half their total work time in a real property shared or business. You can't mix that up as when you're married filing joint or when you're married filing separately, one spouse has to do that. The problem is when you're filing a joint return, well, great. Like Brennan said before, the joint return is now like a real estate professional and both you'll get the benefits. However, when you file separately, only the spouse that actually met the requirements is able to claim the real estate professional status. So if spouse A is a high income earner, for example, and spouse B qualifies as a real estate professional, maybe that's all they do is focus on the real estate. Well, uh, spouse B's losses from their rental property, you know, spouse A is not a real estate professional, so they can't take the losses from the rental properties and offset their income. So the thing in a married filing separate tax return and you know, married filing separately both spouses would have to qualify as a real estate professional independently to be able to claim the benefits. Whereas when you file a joint return, only one spouse has to qualify. So that's kind of the downsides of filing a separate tax return if you're trying to qualify for the real estate professional status is you have to remember that only the spouse that meets the requirements is going to get the benefits of the real estate professional status. The other spouse will not be able to get those benefits in when you're using reps. And this was also detailed in Odario TC memo 2014-39. That's a tax court case where one spouse qualified as a real estate professional, the other did not. But the one spouse that qualified as a real estate professional did not materially participate in the rentals, or sorry, did 
the spouse that wasn't the real estate professional wanted to use the tax losses, but they filed separate. The, the spouse that wanted to use the tax losses could not use the tax losses because they filed separate and the other spouse was the real estate professional. Yeah. So, so it sounds like they're like the bottom line is essentially that when you're filing a joint return, if you're the one qualifying as a real estate professional, even if your spouse is the one working on the rentals, right? They still cannot use the benefits there because they're not the one qualifying as a real estate professional. Right. So on the short-term rental, my wife and I can file a separate return and we can still materially participate collectively because the short-term rental is not a rental activity and I don't have to qualify as a real estate professional, right? But on our long-term rentals, if we're filing a separate return and my wife qualifies as a real estate professional, I can't use the losses to offset my CPA firm income because she's a real estate professional on her separate return from mine. So for her, the rentals might be non-passive. But for me, the rentals, the long-term rentals are still passive because I didn't qualify as a real estate professional and materially participate in the long-term rental. So a couple layers to navigate there, a little confusing, but that's how it works in practice. Right, right. So like kind of the bottom line here, the takeaway for everybody, whenever you're making a decision to filing joint or marrying file separately, you definitely want to talk to your tax advisor about it to see if it makes sense for you because it could have serious impacts on your tax return. But if you're looking to use the real estate professional status, it's generally better to file marry filing joint return if you both want to get the benefits, right? Again, your individual situation might be different where it still makes sense to file separately, but if you both want the benefits, file that joint return. That's the way to do it. Otherwise, you both would have to independently qualify as a real estate professional, which is you know already challenging enough to do uh, when married. It could be very challenging unless both of you are truly real estate professionals. So with the short-term rental loophole, you generally do not have to worry about that because both spouses' time counts, even if you file separately, as we learned here today. So that's kind of the bottom line here for today's episode. If you do have questions about this type of stuff, uh, invite you to join the TaxSmart Insiders community. It's a great place where you can get answers. We have a forum. We have a live Q&As. You can request consultations with our team from within that forum, and you can join that by going to www.taxsmartinvestors.com slash free trial to start your 30-day free trial today. And then if you want to go deeper on the real estate professional status, you want to learn everything you need to know about the real estate professional status to save thousands of dollars in taxes, you can check out the reps tax course that we recently released by going to www.taxsmartinvestors.com slash courses. And you'll be able to find that. And you'll also be able to find the short-term rental tax course there as well. If you're looking to use the short-term rentals loophole or the exception, and you want to dive deep there, uh, those resources are available to you. So I want to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of TaxSmart REI. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.